All right, if you've got your Bible, <clears throat> open it to 2 Samuel chapter number 23. You pray for me. Hopefully, my, I get warmed up a little bit, get hot, and my voice will open up just a little bit. And um, these <clears throat> changing weather patterns play a little bit uh, uh, play a little bit with my voice. I get hot and then I get cool. And uh, I ought to do like Brother Sammy Allen and change clothes when you get done preaching. But I've, I've been hard-headed about that and not done that. But, but I do want to say I appreciate the, the great honor again, Brother Tim, for allowing me, you and the deacons, allowing you to come and, and be a part of this special time. And uh, what a blessing it is. And I want to say to Woodland Baptist Church, I want to tell you how much I appreciate the support of the Woodland Baptist Church and the ministry of our camps and the junior camp and teen camp and then in the winter meeting in Lord's Wheel. Man, if we can get through the holiday season with no hiccups, it is our intention of getting back on a regular schedule in January and the 28th and 29th we'll be having our youth meeting and then back Lord's Wheel next summer. And um, I miss that these days, getting to see these kids. When you have them through junior camp and teen camp, I become very attached to the groups that come and watching them grow, watching them get saved, watch some of them surrender to the ministry and others just be growing up to be, to be uh, pillars in the church. And that's a blessing. And uh, so I want to say to Brother Tim and, and Brother Jonathan and others that have, have brought kids and come, and uh, man, I would encourage you, you want to take a week and just come and be a part of team camp, I promise you, you'll be blessed and helped. We have, we'll have about, never know what we'll have as far as the groups come back, but man, we'll have 150, 200 adults come in each night, and uh, it, it, it's worth just hearing the choir sing to come. About 300 kids in the choir, and they, they're singing, I cannot go in. And they're singing things like that, and boy, it's a real blessing. But I want to say to, to the church how much we appreciate. Couldn't have camp if groups didn't come. And uh, I greatly appreciate that, and I want to say thank you. If you've got your Bible, Second Timothy 23, normally you preachers would understand this. I would, I would prefer to come into a situation like this and preach something that I've already preached before. But I don't get to be, I don't preach pastor appreciation messages at home. That'd be sort of prideful, wouldn't it? And, uh, <laughs> amen. And uh, I'm sort of like Brother Gammon. Somebody comes in and goes to talk to you, bow your head and just sort of look down and not look up and try to, but I, I, just through the years, I've got several times I've got to go down to Calpins and for Brother Griffith and up to Middle Tennessee for Brother Tony and some other places. But this is a brand new thought. And uh, I told him at church after 20 years in about, in about four weeks, I'll have my 20th anniversary as the pastor of our church. And everything they hear, Brother Vic, is new. I don't have anything in the coffer. I told him, I said, I preached everything I know and some things I'm not sure about, so y'all gonna have to pray for me. So 2 Samuel 23, let's stand together. And again, I appreciate you being here tonight. And I commend the church, you'll never go wrong taking care of your pastor. I mean, man, if I were y'all, I'd make it as hard as I possibly could for him to retire one day. I mean, I'd do whatever I could be. Man, I'm telling you, I, I, I want you to understand. 
I don't know much about Presbyterians, and I don't know much about Episcopalians, and I don't know much about Catholics, but I, I know a little bit about Independent Baptists. I spend about every night in my, of my life, especially Monday through Wednesday, with them. And, and I want to reiterate again, God has given you a man of God. I, I remember Brother Zeno. I remember going to, to the Weaverville camp meeting when Brother Zeno and, and Brother, Brother, uh, Brother Teague were moderating that. And Clarence Inslee from, from Atlanta would come. And I, I remember not called, not being long called to preach. And Brother Teague said, you need to go to Weaverville, the camp meeting. And I met Brother Zeno and been in meetings. And you've been gifted to have two men of God. And I'm not being critical. I'm not being ugly, but I'm going to, every church doesn't have a man of God. Some of them got preachers, but there's a difference. And I, I know we get mocked at times for that word, but that's a Bible phrase, the man of God. And God's given you too in these last years. And uh, you are greatly blessed to hear a man that'll get up and preach in the power of God, preach the Bible. Amen. Not thoughts and opinions, but preach the Bible. And uh, you are greatly blessed. And I'm, I, I commend you. I commend you for taking care of him. And I would encourage you. You can't do too much. I thought, it, I, I, I'm thinking Brother Tim's about 58, 59. Is that right? 25 years. He would have came when he was 34 years old. And I'll just say this to you. He's given you the strongest years of his life. Hello? Everybody okay? I mean, 35 to, 35 to 58, 59. He's gone from being strong and young to our steps are getting slower. Amen? But I can't tell that by his drive. He still... He still pushes it, man. As the brother said earlier, if I've ever man, met a man with a passion to see people saved, Brother Tim is that man. And I tell you, you, you ought to, he gave you his best. And I challenge you to give, you, give him for you and the Woodland Baptist Church family to give him your best. Amen. And I bless the Lord. Second Samuel chapter 23. The Bible said, now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, the man who raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, the spirit of the Lord spake by me and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me, he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made me an, ever, made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. 
but the sons of the Lyle shall be all of them as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with a fire in the same place. These be the names of the mighty men of David, the Tachamite that sat in the seat, chief among captains. The same was Adino, the, in, the Isnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three men, mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together, uh, gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. And he arose and smote the Philistines under the hand was until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was shame of the son of Aji the Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. And the three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Adullam and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hold in the garrison of the Philistines and was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew out water of the well of the Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it. And behold, it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but he poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should not do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things Things did these three mighty men. You can be seated. With the Lord's help, I'd like to preach for just a little while on this thought, the best of the best. The best of the best. We're, as you walk into 2 Samuel chapter number 23, we're looking at David when he was in a time, uh, remembering a time when he was in uh, the cave of Adullam and he was running from Saul. If you just study much about the Psalms, you'll find out that uh, David wrote most of the Psalms that he penned uh, while he was uh, running for his life, trying to escape the sword of Saul. And can I tell you, it's the old battle between the spiritual man David and the old fleshly man Saul. But this chapter in 2 Samuel 23 it is the Old Testament Hebrews 11. You think about the hall of faith and all that are recorded in Hebrews chapter number 11. Well, 2 Samuel chapter number 23 is the Old Testament version of Hebrews 11. And can I tell you, listen, as you listen to David talk, you realize that David is homesick for Bethlehem. Uh, David is homesick for home. And can I tell you, we could preach tonight on I've got a longing to go. Amen. Uh, you say, what was David looking for? Well, he was looking for the well, and he's looking for the water, and he was looking for the worship that he enjoyed in his days in Bethlehem. Uh, would you not agree with me? The longer that you and I are saved, uh, the longer that we serve God, the longer that we live in this world, uh, our longing to go to 
heaven. Our longing for another world uh, continues to grow stronger. Uh, can I tell you, I've got a longing to go to heaven uh, because of the liberalness uh, of the society in which we live. Uh, you ain't got to look around long uh, to realize that we do not fit in uh, uh, this world. Uh, uh, we're like a square peg uh, trying to be uh, placed into a round hole. Uh, uh, we just don't fit in. Uh, and God help us uh, if we ever get to the place uh, uh, where the church fits in with the world. Uh, God never intended uh, for the church to fit in with the church or uh, with the world. He's called us to come out from among them and be separate and live a different way than the world does. Can I tell you, I've also got a longing to go because of the leaving of the saints. I thought while Elijah sang this morning about the children of God singing by a bedside. He might not have understood what that meant several months ago, but he knows now. And even as a young man, as a young, young adult man in his 20s, when he got to singing that this morning, I would say heaven was a little sweeter to him than it has been in days gone by. You better believe on December the 13th when my dad went to heaven about 9.50 on a Sunday morning and I was sitting at his bed, standing at his bedside and I was rubbing his head and patting him on the chest and I got to say some things. I called, I called Amy and I called my sister. I said, if y'all want to come see Papa alive, you better come. And they said, well, did you? hear from the doctor? I said, no. I said, but the Lord got here about 8 o'clock. And I said, when he leaves, Dad will be leaving with him. I said, so if you want to see him, you better come on. And about an hour and 50 minutes later, I mean, we sung every song of heaven we could think of. How we sung, how beautiful heaven must be. 105, I sung heaven's jubilee, 110. I got to sing at 88. I'm going that way. I sang 14, I'll meet you in the morning. I did sung number 30. I'll soon be done oh, with troubles and trials. I'm telling you, there is a sweet by and by. Amen. And can I tell you, when loved ones get to step it out on another shore, it makes you want to have a glad reunion with those that have gone on before. I think about the leaving of our saints. What about the lukewarmness of our sanctuaries? Amen. You're blessed with a strong place to worship. But it's not like that everywhere. You don't see people in a lot of places go to the altar during the singing. They would think something was wrong. If somebody, it's almost like they'd sit in the back. It's not the right time. Amen. I've been in some meetings where preaching was out of place. I've been in some meetings where singing was out of place. But I've never been in a service when praying was out of place. Amen. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Can I tell you, I'm looking to go to heaven, not just because of the leaving of the saints, the lukewarmness of the sanctuary, but I'm looking to go just any time because there's a longing in my heart to see the Lord. You look at this text and you find David's final words. You see David's famous warriors and you see David's faithful workers. David is in a dark place. Is anybody, is anybody glad the Lord works night, the night shift? Amen. He said he dwelleth in the thick darkness. Aren't you glad that it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a bed of roses. It doesn't, the sun doesn't have to be shining. It doesn't have to be as good for God to show up. But I'm glad in the darkness of the midnight. 
He's in a dry place. He's in the cave. He's in a desolate place. The only thing growing in the cave was David. Amen? I tell you, we fight those, we fight those seasons. We fight those situations. But many times that's where God is doing the deepest works in our life. I think about David being the best. Look at your Bible. I think about David. I want you to look at his divine selection. Look at verse 1. David, the son of Jesse, and the man who was raised up. Man, I wish I could preach this the way I want to. A preacher with a weak voice is about like a soldier without a gun. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about, he said he was raised up on high. Second Samuel chapter number seven and verse number eight said, I have taken thee from the sheep coat, from following after the sheep, and I've raised you up to be a ruler of the people of Israel. Aren't you glad that all those years ago when God saved Brother Tim, Long before Brother Tim met Brother Zeno, long before he was known in the Isles of Woodland, I think God reached up into a mountain church and saved that man of God, called him to preach. I'm telling you, it's not by mistake that he's here, but thank God, God selected him and groomed him and put him in the place where he is, just like God did David. I tell you, we look at day, people say, uh, men will call me and say, uh, we're looking for a preacher. We need some preachers to send us a resume. I said, you need a preacher to send you a preaching tape. Hello? I don't care how well he can put a, I don't care how well he can put a resume together. He may not be able to preach his way out of a wet paper bag. Amen. And I know that pastors, and especially in a ministry this size, you've got to be able to manage and, and be an administrator. But right here is where he does his best work. Amen. Amen. God called him to preach. And what about that all those years ago? God had this place in mind. God had your children and your grandchildren and the ones that rode the bus when God called him to preach all those years ago. That's what God had in mind. Not only that divine selection, but look at that dynamic sanctification. Verse 1, the anointed of the God of Jacob. We're living in a day where we are mistaking ability for anointing. Amen. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying there's a lot of talented and gifted men, but that does not necessarily mean they are anointed of the Lord. They may be great speakers. They may be great motivators, but that's not necessarily all the time. The activity we see is not always divine anointing. But can I tell you, I've sat in service after service after service through those years. I remember stepping out in that hall up at Temple, what is that, 2001, 2002. And uh, man, though we were in that side, uh, uh, that little side uh, uh, hallway, and right there you stood. And that was the first time uh, that we got to meet. And man, I've been in service after service through these years and heard you preach in many different arenas and many different uh, atmospheres. But can I tell you, it didn't take long when he started. 
stood behind a pulpit and opened a Bible that you were to realize uh, this was not just some other man, uh, but this was a man that God had filled with his spirit uh, and filled with his word and filled with his heart and filled with his goodness. Uh, and he preaches the word of God under the divine unction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want a preacher in the pulpit that's got the touch of God when my children are sitting in the seats. If I needed somebody to entertain them, I'd take them and turn the television on. But when I bring them to church, I want a man of God to take a Bible under the power of the Holy Ghost and preach the truth to them. I don't care how close they cut it. Stay in the Bible. You ain't going to offend me. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Divinely selected, dynamically sanctified. But look at the distinct sound. Look at verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, David talking, and his word was in my tongue. Boy, it's a distinct sound where you hear a God-called, spirit-filled preacher Stand behind the pulpit with a touch of God and proclaim the treasures of that blessed book. If you're not careful, you hear it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And if you're not careful, you'll take it for granted. Amen. He doesn't have, he ain't like me, got to have good preachers to come in. I tell our folks, if they'll put up with me, I'll have some good preachers come through the year, throughout the year to, to help them along and just put up with me. He doesn't have to do that. You're hearing the best that the states have got every service. Every service. I don't care if he's preaching to teenagers or preaching to preachers. He speaks the word of God. Amen. You ought to say hallelujah for that. You ought to, mom and dad, you ought to take a lap and shout the victory that you ain't got to worry about what your children are going to hear when they come in on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or a Wednesday night. You don't have to worry about a man that's going to lead them into heresy or, or tell them some untruth or, or lead them into a problem. No, but God has given you a man that's been divinely selected. Happy day, happy day. Oh, when God called preacher to preach and he, listened, he placed this place in his heart, but then he didn't just call him, but he equipped him with the power of God and he equipped him with the word of God to do the work that he's doing right now. Amen. Look at your Bible quickly. I'll give you three things and I'm done. I want you to notice verse 15. The thirst in David's soul. The thirst. Could it be, let me just cut some stuff out right here. Could it be that David was not just the man because he got thirsty, but David was the man who he was because he stayed thirsty. Do you know how many preachers I know that if this is what they were preaching to on Sunday night, they'd knock her up in neutral and coast. Everybody okay? Amen. They'd say, man, this is wonderful. We don't need to press on, but I've never heard that in our fellowship. I've never heard that we've got enough. Enough folks have been saved. Enough are on the buses. Enough missionaries are being supported. Enough young people are in the youth choir. Enough didn't know. 
He stayed thirsty. And can I tell you, I believe that power of God that's exhibited when he gets in the pulpit and preaches under the anointing of the Holy Ghost is a direct result that somewhere back years ago he did get thirsty. A God put some man of God, some Christian in his life that caused him to thirst for the presence of God and thirst for the companionship of the Spirit of God and thirst for the truth of the Word of God. And can I say, Brother Vic, when he opens up that Bible, you know it wasn't something that was just just a long time ago, but it was something that he experienced this last week. He's not giving you stale bread. Oh, listen, thank God. You ought to bless the Lord that God gave you a man that just didn't get thirsty, but he stayed thirsty. Amen. What did he want? Look at verse 15. He wanted a drink. That water in that well is a picture of the Son of God in John 4. It's a picture of the Word of God in Ephesians 5. It's a picture of the Spirit of God in John 7. He's looking for a drink from the well. He's looking from the cave of Adullam back over to Bethlehem. And he said, man, I miss home. I miss home. And boy, he got to thinking about all that God had done for him. Boy, he got to wanting that oil. He wanted that water that he was drinking when they put the oil on him. He wanted that oil. He wanted that drink of water that he was drinking when he killed the bear. He wanted the water that was drinking when he killed the lion. He wanted the water that he was drinking when he killed the giant. He said, man, just give me a drink. Uh, just give me another sip of that water. Uh, and can I tell you, I don't believe uh, he said that out loud. Uh, but preacher, I believe he just may have whispered that. Uh, he might not have even meant to say it out loud. Uh, uh, but can I tell you, those men knew exactly uh, where that well was located. And though it seemed to be a fleeting thought to David, their leader, uh, those men allowed those words uh, to seek deep in their heart. Uh, and can I tell you, those that truly love the Lord uh, will love what the Lord loves. Uh, and they'll live and long for the same thing. Uh, those three men were loyal to David. They wanted the same heartbeat. And can I tell you, those words that David uttered, uh, they never were a demand. They were just merely a desire. Uh, but those three men were were willing to die to give him the desires of his heart. He wanted a drink. Some of us, it wouldn't hurt us to go back and get a drink. Amen. I'm not talking about what you used to drink before you got saved. I'm talking about what you started drinking when you got saved. Notice where it's at. Look at verse 15. It's in Bethlehem. The house of bread. The resting place. David was born in Bethlehem. Notice, Ruth was redeemed at Bethlehem. Jesus was born at Bethlehem. If you need water, you can find it at Bethlehem. Can I tell you something? If you need, if you need water, you need to find you a Bethlehem church that's doling out the bread. And can I tell you, you're sitting in one tonight. When you come, you can expect that there will be a steady diet of fresh bread. Amen. Amen. That's where it was. It was in the well. Your Bible calls it in Isaiah the wells of salvation. It's by the gate. He said it was by the gate in that verse. What happened at the gate? That's where Ruth got redeemed at the gate. It was a redemption place. It was a refreshing place. It was a restoring place. But it was in enemy territory. That's where the Philistines were. 
There's some things we used to learn. We learned a song kids years ago, and when we were little, we'd sing this song. I'll march into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me. Take back what he stole from me. Take back what he stole from me. I'll march into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole to, from me. They're under his feet. They're under his feet. Satan is under his feet. I wonder how many of us need to go back to Bethlehem to get what the enemy's taken from us. Hello? I'm talking about where it was at. It was at Bethlehem. Why did he need it? He was hurting. That was the thirst in David's soul. Can I tell you, I look for men in the ministry. I'll just say this to all of us. If you're the sharpest tack in your group, you need a different group. Everybody okay? Hello? Amen. Because if you're in the sharpest tack in your group, there's nobody pressing you to be better. I've walked around today. I said, Mama, take a picture of this. Take a picture of that. We, we need to be better at this. Amen. Are you listening? I'm glad God has put some men in my life that have caused me to be thirsty. Now, let me say a word to the church. I want to talk to you about these three men, not just the thirst in David's soul, but I want to talk to you about the three men by David's side. Who are they? Adino. Eliezer and Shema. Can I tell you, these men's affection and allegiance and attachment was to David. They were loyal to him in spite of the opposition, in spite of being outnumbered, in spite of, in spite of being outmuscled and exhausted and confused. This is what we need to be. Can I tell you, this is the kind of men I need, and these are the kind of men that he needs. Look at the biography of these men. The first one is Adino. If you look at that word Adino and find out what it means, that means a battle-tested soldier. A battle-tested soldier. One of them boys that's got scars, battle scars. They've been shot. They've been cut. They've been stabbed. Or like one of our army rangers in Afghanistan that came to the church, he broke his arm playing football. Amen. I liked it. He said, preacher, we played football. He said, I never did get a wound in the battle, but he said, I broke my wrist playing football at camp, at base camp. He told me too, he said, we used to get on them Humvees and play the A-team theme when we pulled out, when we pulled out on, on patrol. He said, we'd play the A-team. I said, man, I like you. Praise God. You know what? You know what we need? We need some battle-tested saints of God. Been here since Brother Zeno. I've got two or three at the church, brother, that brings my water. Brother, when you preach, Brother Roger, my 86-year-old deacon would bring you the water when you preach. And I've got Brother Lyman that sits right behind him. Used to be a pool shark before God saved him. Man, I'm talking about clean as a pen, clean as a hound's tooth. God saved him. I mean, changed his life. I've got Brother Mike, one of my other men, that's uh, a commercial contractor. Then little Miss Cheryl, my, 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 my treasure, every once in a while, she'll bring me a little piece of white paper. It's about that, that wide. It's about that long. And she'll just say, Preacher, I just thought I'd just show you a few things that God's done for us the last few months. I just want to show you some specific things that he's done. 
I remember, I remember walking, we got ready to build our, our, our we just added on during COVID. That's a really smart thing to do, isn't it? We're going to build a church in the middle of COVID. And uh, we were hoping the addition that we were going to do was going to be about $700,000. And I told you before, this morning, I was a commercial banker. I'd already done the, I'd already done the, the negotiating with the bank. and I had the rate set, how much money they'd let us borrow. And I remember it took us longer. The architect took longer than we wanted to do. We, we celebrated our 200th anniversary as a church just uh, uh, back in 2019. And my goal was to, to, to dedicate the new building and, and to... Uh, and, uh, to uh, uh, celebrate the history of the church on the same day. Well, our architect didn't see fit to help me. But he did see fit to save me about $60,000. And after I realized that, I just said, amen and amen. <laughs> Glory. High five, Mr. Architect. Amen. But I remember when I got back from vacation and I, he said, preacher, we've got the budget done. You need to come. You need to come and uh, look at it. We said, I, he said, we, we need to talk. We sat down and what we hoped that would be $700,000 is now going to be about $1.15 million. And, I, I, and I, that's not a lot. I mean, man, you, you couldn't even sneeze at this facility for that. But I thought, man, Lord, what are we going to do? We were cash poor. We had paid our other building off. We built another building back in 06, paid it off. They said, you're not going to have to put a cash injection and all that. You, you, you're debt free. But now I need I, I, I need. $370,000 and I needed it three months before so we could get started. And I'll never forget when I walked out of his office, Brother Mike said, Preacher, he's took care of us before and said he ain't going to change. He ain't going to change. And I'm thinking in my mind, now, Lord, I've done told these folks this is the will of God. What are we going to do? That's in my mind. And then one of them Adinos just come up and said, he's took care of us this far. And he's going to take care of us now. The next day before 12 o'clock, nobody knew this but me, Brother Mike, and our youth pastor. Nobody else. I had not told anybody else at that time. The next day before 12 o'clock, two people had sent checks that don't even go to our church for $30,000. And I felt like the Holy Ghost just said, <coughs> I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And boy, I tell you what, I tell you what David needed. David needed some men that was battle-tested. Some men that had been through something. Some men that had, hey, that had not just threw their hands up when it got a little difficult. And somebody just didn't run when it got a little harsh and when somebody got offended or when somebody got their little feelings hurt. It's amazing folks get their little feelings hurt, isn't it? You know how to solve that? If we wouldn't have little feelings, we wouldn't get our little feelings hurt. Amen. Some of us need to put our big boy britches on. Amen. Hello, I'm, listen, people are people in North Carolina just like they are in Georgia. But we need some men that have been through some things and say, hey, this is what he did for us before. See right here, let me show you. Some, let me take you over here to a memorial. That's what God did for me. That's what Adino was. He was a battle-tested, battle-scarred, in shape, ready-to-fight kind of man. What about Eliezer? Eliezer means the courts of God or my God will help. What about that God 
He said it'll hold. I thought about that courts of God. That means to me one that'll take you to the Lord. I thought about Aaron and her. Joshua's in the valley and fighting Amalek, and old Aaron and her's up there holding Moses' hands up. And as long as they're holding the man of God's hands up, they're this, the Bible said they disconfitted Amalek. Amen. You know what? He needs some men every once in a while to come by. I had one of my men just the other day text me. He said, Preacher, what are you burdened about today that I can help you pray for? What is a burden I can pray for? You know, every once in a while, spiritually, you just need to go get his hand and say, today I'm going to hold his hands up. That's what kind of men we need. What about Shema? The one that won his battle in his pea patch. You know what Jehovah Shema means? The Lord is there. Amen. The Lord is there. What kind of man was Shema? One that was there. You know what we need? We need men that are just there. Sometimes the ones that are always there, they don't always make the loudest noise. They don't always, uh, they're not always putting the biggest checks in. But I tell you what, they're at bus visitation. They're at door-to-door soul winning. They're here on Sunday morning. They're here for Sunday school. Uh, they're here for work day. Uh, they're here for whatever needs to be done. Uh, that's what we need. We need some ones that just say, I'm going to be there. Amen. What about the bravery of these men? I mean, they were close enough to hear his whispers. They were brave enough that they weren't scared of the Philistines. Are you listening? They didn't care who was there. And again, he didn't demand them. He just put his desire out there. They loved David more than they feared the Philistines. You know what? I get me a church full of men that love God more than they fear the world. Give me a church full of folks that love Jesus more than they fear the president, more than they fear a special interest group, more than they fear the workplace, more than they fear their family. And you can get some things done for the glory of God. Which one of those men are you? We're gifted in different areas. Are you going to be one of the men or just there? Old Brother Lyman, that one I told you about, man got saved. He's never shouted. If Brother Lyman shouted, I would have a heart attack and die. I mean, if Miss Amy shouted, if her and Brother Lyman shouted, we'd have to build a new church because I'd tear the one up we had. I'd shout till I tore the walls down probably. He's never made a noise. He'll sit back there. He don't put his hand up. He'll sit back there and nod. Every once in a while, he'll wipe tears. But he'll pull a he'll pull an index card out of his pocket, and he shows me where my initials are, and where Miss Amy's initials are, and where Riley's initials are, and where Carter's initials are. He says, "Preacher, I pray for you every day." Tonight at ten thirty, the deacon that brings you water. He'll get down to pray. His prayer time's at 1030. And I promise you tonight, I wasn't at church today, but I promise you tonight, when he talks to the Lord, he'll talk to him about me. Glory to God. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of things God's done for me that have nothing to do with me. It has to do with some people that God's put around me. And the Lord's answered their prayer. 
Hallelujah. I mean, my mom's in heaven. I'm talking about it. When I started preaching, I preached in some places you couldn't have found the Spirit of God with a search warrant. You wouldn't have ran into him driving the wrong way in a one-lane highway. Hello? You ever been there? You ought to be. You'd appreciate your preacher when you got done. But I'm telling you what, I saw my mom. She'd go with me before Amy and I got married. I've seen her when I try to preach. You talking about trying to push a wagon back up, listen, backwards up hills with no wheels on. And I've watched her bow her head and pray. And I've watched her when she picked her head up, the power of God come, the Lord help me preach. It wasn't nothing about me, but God had somebody pray. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to help? What, what's your role to help Woodland Baptist Church support the man of God that he gave you? And say, run, preacher, run. We're with you. Had one of my men. He got ready to come. To, ready? They moved in from North Carolina. Solid man. He looked at me. He said, preacher. He closed the door to my office. He said, Preacher, God's told us we need to join the church. And this is what he told me. He said, Preacher, as long as you're in that Bible, you'll never have to turn around and wonder if I'm with you. Because as long as you're, he said, I'm not, he told me, he said, I'm not here to be beside you. And I'm not here to be in front of you. He said, I'm here to follow you into the will of God. And he said, as long as you stay in that book, you'll never have to look over your shoulder and wonder if I'm there. Amen. Amen. Every once in a while, y'all just slip up behind him and say, run, I'm back here, run, run. Come help me. Come here, Brother Tim, come help me. Come here, son. Come right here. I want you to walk like you're walking that way. Right there, come on, stop right there. Come right here. That's a big old fella right there. I'm glad I didn't pick one of the illustrations. I need to pick somebody up when I picked him, praise God. Lock arms with you. All right, let me hold you, Bible. Everybody all right? I'm trying to follow the Lord. Here we are. Here's a generation that's ahead of him. He's trying to encourage them to press on. He's locked arms with this middle generation while he's reaching back to get a younger generation. And he's saying, hey, fellas, let's go. He's telling you we can still have what we had years ago. They said the glory days, the church are over, but we don't believe it. So just press on. And he's trying to get this one group right here, the ones that are the workhorses, the ones that pull the plow, and say, let's push them and let's plow. But let's not forget to reach them. I can't get this other generation. I'll tell you, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to encourage you saints to press on. He's trying to encourage you ones that's been in the way for generation after generation. He said, walk on, walk on, walk on. He said to the one at middle age, he said, plow on, plow on, pull on. And he said to that young group, come on, uh, come on and go with me. Uh, there's the will of God out there. Uh, there's the blessings of the Lord out there. There's missionaries to be supported. There's buses to be ran. Uh, there's sinners to be saved. Uh, there's families to be salvaged. He said, press on. Press on. Thank you. Getting good outlines in there. I'll just keep it. The bravery of those men. You know what the World War II motto of the CBs were? They said, the difficult we do immediately, 
said the impossible, it takes a little longer. What they tell us, what they tell my generation is that you still can't, you can't have an old-fashioned church in 2021. You can't run buses. You can't be separated. You can't have old-fashioned singing. You can't support missions. You can't reach sinners. You can't have old-fashioned singing. Amen. I'm glad somebody didn't tell him that. Because, Brother Mark, I, I go places and I hear men, they, they want to be, spe they, they think you've got to trade one for the other. Well, we can go reach sinners, but we're going to have to have a contemporary atmosphere when they get here. Why would we want to take them from the world and bring them to the world? Hello. Are you listening? That's what they tell us. You ought to thank God you got one that didn't say we got to settle. What about the, what about not just the bravery of these men, the biography of these men, what about the background of these men? You go over to the first Samuel, first Samuel 22, 2, King of Adullam, those that are distressed, those that are in debt. What about it? Had it not been them for the ministry of this church, you look at, just look around and see all the many different people that come from the many different walks of life and outside the grace of God, the preaching of the word of God and the ministry of the word from the pulpit and this place, we'd have never got in this cave together. But because God took a man Pulled him out of the sheep coat. Said, you're not going to follow the sheep anymore. He said, you're going to rule my people. You're going to be. David was the greatest singer Israel knew. The greatest sovereign Israel knew. The greatest soldier Israel knew. And the greatest son that Israel knew. And God said, he said, I'm not just pulling you out to put you on display. He said, I've got serious work for you to do. There might have been some times in these last 25 years that Brother Tim said, now, Lord, I didn't sign up for this. Amen. Lord, I didn't sign up for this. There's sometimes he signs up for things that we didn't volunteer for. Amen. But aren't you glad he stuck it out? Aren't you glad he stayed? What about the three that are by David's side? Which one you gonna be? Because the only way that we get that crowd that was singing in that choir tonight to that age is somebody's going to have to hold his hands up. And somebody's just going to have to be there. And somebody that's been battle tested and battle scarred is just going to say, hey, preacher, we can do it. Sometimes you just need to point me in the direction and say, we really can do this. And I'll bounce off of a concrete wall thinking I can knock it down. Amen. Amen. I wonder if it's your grandchildren who'll be the beneficiaries of the grace of God because he ran on. Number three, and I'm done. Come back, Miss Lisa, I'm about done. Some of y'all think because I put some out on the piano that I'm about to quit. Well, I lie sometimes. That just, that's a trick. Miss Lisa's just glad I didn't put her up here 20 minutes ago. 
Miss Julianne, she plays at times. I'll exhort, you know, I'm real calm. I don't get, you know, tore up. I'm real calm most of the time. Yeah, if you believe that. I'm looking to get happy. And she'll get to, I'll get to exhort in the text or whatever. Miss Julianne play for an hour. She just sits over and just plays. Number three, and I'm done. What about the testimony of David's sacrifice? Those men broke through that Philistine guard and got him some water. He never thought, I don't even know if he realized they heard him. But when he looked in that water, in that cup of water, what he had said he longed for, he didn't see the water, the well of Bethlehem, but he saw the blood of those men that risked their life. And that drink offered, he poured it out to the Lord, which was a signifying. You never did have a drink offering by itself. It was always accompanying another offering. A lot of times the thank offering. And so he poured it out to the Lord, to the Lord which was saying, was indicative of a life that had been given to Christ to be spent for the Lord. I wonder down through time in these next years, you never know, you never know what the will of God holds and how things change. Well, you ought to take every advantage of every moment that God's given you with the caliber of a man that God's given you and say, preacher, we can do it. Run on. Run on. I got your hands up. I got your hands up. I'm here. And preacher, do you remember what God did for us before? I remember some years ago, and I forgot it, I had to be reminded. When we built our first building several years ago. Play on Miss Lisa, I'm about done. Several years ago, we had, we had remodeled our church and, and we spent about $250,000. We just paid it off real quick. We were cash poor. And God started blessing our buses and we didn't have anywhere to put our bus kids. And we have a place to deal with our children, have them in a large group. And I mean, on, we run our buses heavy on Wednesday night, feed them supper, preach to them, pick them up and carry them home. We needed a big place where we could congregate them. God was helping us. Problem was, we were cash poor. We didn't have a, we, we, we'd not, we'd spent everything we had to get out of debt. And man, we needed to build it. And I thought, Lord, what are we going to do? And see, this is what I'm about to tell you. I had forgotten two years ago when I walked out of that contracting office after I looked at that budget. One of my men came to me on a Sunday night. He said, Preacher, we, we've had a framing business that we've sold. Our kids used to work it when they were in high school and in college, but they both got their teaching degrees now, so we don't need it. So we've sold that business. And we've been looking for ways to invest this money and said, uh, we, we've looked at stocks and bonds. We've looked at real estate. We've, we, we've looked at mutual funds. And so we, he said, Preacher, I got saved on a bus. And he said, we've decided we're going to, Invest, invest in some lives of some children to ride vans. He slipped a check across my desk for $40,000. I said, to God be the glory. I said, well, we're going to start a new building fund. I said, we'll take up a building fund offering in a couple weeks. A couple weeks later, we took up $8,000 above tithes and offers. We, two weeks, God gave us $48,000. One of my shut-ins called me the next Wednesday. An elderly gentleman on a walker on oxygen, he texted me and he said, Preacher, 
He said, man, we, we need that new building. He said, I've always wanted us to have an indoor baptistry. And he said, I, we didn't get to do anything. We'd not been shut in, some of them shut in. So we couldn't come. He said, we, would you come on your way to church tonight? I said, I sure would. Riley was about six. My 21-year-old was about five or six years old. It was on a Wednesday night. We pulled up in the driveway. Miss Amy's already, they were cooking for the kids. And I knocked on the door, and here come that little feeble man on a walker, oxygen in his nose. And he said, Preacher, could you put this in the plate for me tonight? Just handed me an open check. I just, I didn't read it in front of him, but I folded it in half. But y'all pray for me. I told y'all I was a banker. So I was interested in that check. Y'all pray for me. Forgive me. But when I sat in that check, I turned the map lights on. And it said, pay to the order of Wahoo Baptist Church for $250,000. I like saying it like this, a quarter of a million. Don't that sound better? But Tim, don't that sound better? A quarter of a million. But you know what? I'd forgot that. I wasn't thinking about the, before we built, before we got that building done, we'd raised about $400,000, about $800,000. But you know what? I'd forgot that. But one of them little saints of God walked up to me and said, Preacher, it's going to be all right. He said, he'd never give us $300,000 before we built the last building. I said, I wonder what he's going to give us this time. I needed somebody just to say, hey, we've been there before, preacher, and he's going to do it for us again. Little boy, his teacher like seashells. One day, little boy walked, to, walked about 20 miles to the beach, got his teacher seashell, walked back, took it to school the next day, handed her a seashell. She said, he said, I knew you liked seashells. I brought you a seashell. And she got to look at it and she thought, she said, son, did you walk all the way to the beach to get this? He said, yes, ma'am. He said the trip down there and back was part of the gift. It was part of the gift. It's that consecration and that commitment that takes a common gift and makes it a wonderful gift. Hello. And when he stands up here and preaches and he sees you go out to greet, he sees you go out to get on a bus, he sees you. It's the trip that makes the gift special. You know how it's going to take? You know who it's going to take for you to go to the next step and see more people saved and more buses ran? Each one of us. Whether you're in a Dino, whether you're an Eliezer or whether you're a Shema, God's give you the best of the best. And you heard what he said this morning. He gave you the credit. He said, you've stayed with me. You've served the Lord. When you put David with a Dino, Eliezer, and Shema, there's some business about to pick up. There's no telling what God could do. I know I'm not sweating. I wish I, I wish I could preach it in the strength of my body like I, know I want to. 
but I feel like I'm doing the will of God. God's give you a choice, man. You men sit on the platform, on staff. You realize what you get to sit shoulder to shoulder with and glean from? Brother Willard used to say when these older men of God passed, I thought about it, Miss Lisa, when your dad passed, Brother Willard used to say, he said, them older men of God die. He said, it's like a library that burns down that'll never be recovered again. I've got about four men when I have questions. And most of the time they're hard questions. He's one of the ones I call. Because I've seen his passion for people. His walk with Christ. His love for the church. And y'all, that's your preacher. That's your pastor. You ought to bless the Lord for it. We're going to stand while Miss Lisa's playing. It'd be a good night for just to say, Lord, I just want him. I want you to know I'm going to be there. I'm going to hold his hands up. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to be one of them battles. Some of you saints of God, some of them battle-scarred, battle-tested saints has been through something. You say, I'm going to be there just to tell him he can do it for us again. How about it? The best of the best. She's singing.